listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Jumping on, share the broadcast today. This is going to be uh, not just a a powerful broadcast, but instructive. And one of the reasons that I wanted my dad, of course, it's my opinion that there's nobody more qualified in this generation to teach on the gifts of the Spirit than my father. And I'm so happy that he's writing six books on the gifts of the Spirit, which is extremely needed in the body of Christ. There's Wes Barbie. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, I love Brother Barbie. And uh, the first one's about to come out called The Camels Are Coming, which is the introduction to the gifts of the Spirit, which is being finished and getting ready to go to the printer very soon. You're going to want to get all six of these books when they're released. But there's very little teaching on the gifts of the Spirit in the body of Christ right now. And if you go back through the history of the church within the last century or two, uh, there were men that God used to teach on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Of course, you had Howard Carter that taught on the gifts of the Spirit and had a book that I have, and I I know you have a copy of it too. I found a first edition. I know you probably do too. And then he was able to impart to Lester Summerall who wrote the book, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, if you were watching the broadcast that I did before on uh, 17 books every Christian should have in their library, that's one of the ones that I mentioned, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit by Dr. Lester Summerall. And uh, And he quotes a lot out of Howard Carter's book, Questions and Answers on the Holy Spirit. Yep. And so... And for years, you know, those were standards, and and uh, but there hasn't been a ton <clears throat> of teaching in, in a new generation about the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, there needs to be, because a few reasons that are very important. Uh, number one, the signs and wonders, the supernatural element of Christianity is proof that Jesus is alive. Without the supernatural aspect of Christianity, your religion becomes like any other religion on the earth. You can debate, you can argue, uh, you could try to do anything in the natural, but the thing that's the proof, and, I, and, and by the way, it's not wrong to say that the supernatural is the proof because Jesus himself used the supernatural as the proof that he was the Messiah. No man can do <clears throat> these miracles except God be with him. Yep. And when John's disciples came to Jesus and said, are you the Messiah? Go tell him. Or are we waiting for someone else? Jesus said, go tell John the things you've seen and heard. And then he pointed at his miracles as the proof that he was the Messiah. And the miracles we see today are still proof that he's alive and that he's coming soon. There's uh, Kevin Chamberless uh, on the broadcast there who just finished a film that I was very happy to be a part of uh, where he documents miracle healings. And uh, went to crusade evangelism and documents miracles and uh, the power that heals. He's showing a new generation the power of the Holy Spirit in healing. And uh, it's a powerful thing for people to see Jesus is not just alive, but he's still operating and his power is still working. So we want to do this broadcast because it's not just for um, preachers. You know, preachers aren't the only ones that should be operating in the power of God. But every believer is anointed 
to operate in the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit are available to you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he's the giver of the gifts. And so because he is and you're filled with the giver of the gifts, then you have the potential to operate in all nine gifts of the Spirit uh, as the Spirit directs you and as you do work for the Lord. So don't think because you're not a pastor or an evangelist or an apostle, prophet, or a teacher that you can't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. That's why we're doing this broadcast, so that believers can understand not only is this available to me, it's something I should see operating in my life uh, on a daily basis, the power of God. And so I wanted to have my dad come on today and kind of talk about what I, the way I said it last night, what are some of the prerequisites uh, to be used by the, in, in the gifts of the Spirit? Meaning, what does it take to be used by the power of God? What does it take to see these signs and wonders in your life? Because if it was automatic, every believer would see nonstop signs, wonders, and miracles in their life. But obviously, it's not automatic that when you get saved, you just start flowing in the supernatural. There are things you've got to do. And that's what this broadcast is going to be about today. What does it take for believers to walk in a supernatural ministry, a supernatural lifestyle, and see the power of God at work uh, in their life? So if you have not done so yet, take a minute and share the broadcast. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Periscope, share the broadcast because this is a vital message that we need before Jesus comes back. He's looking for a church willing to do the work and uh, see the harvest reaped. And I, I love how Paul said it. I believe it's 1 Corinthians 2, 4. I didn't come to you with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I said this on the broadcast, I think, yesterday. <clears throat> Debating gets you nowhere in the kingdom. You can't debate somebody into the kingdom of God. And in fact, Paul was the most intelligent man probably in the New Testament outside of Christ, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, had the teaching. He was supernaturally intelligent. But his least effective meeting that he ever had is when he went to Athens and debated and philosophized with them about the unknown God. Didn't have one convert in that meeting. And then in all the other churches, you see where signs and wonders flowed. He said powerful open doors, powerful uh, revivals and conversions as he operated in the power of God. And he learned that lesson and told the Corinthians, I'm not coming with enticing words of men's wisdom, but the power demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to strive for as believers is the power of the Holy Ghost. So my dad's here today and uh, I'm going to kind of just sit back and maybe ask some questions, but I wanted my dad to give you what he believes after, what would it be now? 44 years of full-time ministry, mm -hmm. 44 years of preaching, teaching, miracles, signs, and wonders, what it would take from the word of God to operate in the power of the Holy Ghost. So with some emoji hands in the comments, would you welcome my father, evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The first thought uh, when you were talking about the gifts of the Spirit, our main text, of course, would be 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sistren, I would not have you to be ignorant. God wants us to have knowledge. You can't operate or be used of God if you don't have the knowledge of the subject. Mm -hmm. And in this particular 
um, teaching today, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The more you can know and, and find out about the gifts, then the more the potential is that God will use you mm -hmm. in the gifts. Let me say that again. The more that you know and find out, and I'm talking to you, about these wonderful gifts of the Spirit, then the greater the potential that you can be used by God to operate in these areas. Now, when it says now concerning spiritual gifts, you notice that the word gifts is italicized, uh, for example, in the King James that I read out of. And the reason is because the word gifts was not used in the original language that this Bible was written in. But rather, it would be translated spirituals or pneumotikos in the Greek. The things, that's tikos, the things, pneuma means air breathed or the spirit of the spirit. So what we're talking about are the things of the spirit, things that pertain to and only belong to the precious Holy Spirit of God. It's very powerful. I know we have someone watching us that got a bad diagnosis. I'm not going to mention them by name, but I'm so glad to see that you're logged on. But the gifts of the Spirit have the potential in them of not only healing the people that need healing, helping the people that need helping. But let's just say you had something and the devil's trying to lie to your mind and he says it's terminal. You're not going to live your life out. That happens to people, that battlefield of the mm -hmm. mind. Yep. Well, what the gifts of the Spirit have, the potential, let me go back to that word again, they, in full operation, the working of miracles, the gifts of healing, for example, have the potential of giving you longer life. Mm -hmm. My wife told the story last week when we were in Indiana of a woman that came to the tent crusade when I was with Brother Shambach in Lexington, Kentucky. And the woman was being wheeled under the tent after the afternoon service. Brother Shambach had already finished preaching. They were turning the lights out. Most of the people left the, the grounds where we had the tent set up. And uh, I was standing there talking to a, the sponsoring pastor, Marion Dalton, a precious brother in Christ, and his dear wife, Stephanie. And my wife was down at the bottom of the ramp talking with Stephanie and Brother Dalton and I were staying up still on the platform. And a woman pushing a wheelchair with a woman in it, we heard her as she's coming across. That tent covered a football field. It was a big tent. I heard her say, is it too late? Are we too late for healing? Are we too late for healing? And I said, no, no. I can't remember who stayed with us. Maybe it was David Blay, it seems to me, David was with us. I said, David, help bring her up on the ramp. 
because the ground was very rough. And rather than come the rest of the way, right there was the edge of the platform. He, David wheeled the woman, and the other woman walked with him up and sat before us. And I said to the woman standing that had brought her friend, what's wrong with your friend? And I'm trying to talk, but I notice the lady's eyes are closed. She's looking like she can't really understand what's going on. She said, my friend was diagnosed at the Lexington, I think it was the Baptist Hospital, with a brain tumor. And it's like an octopus. It has tentacles. It has things that run through her brain, and they couldn't operate to remove it. So they they put a radiation pellet on the top of the brain tumor to burn it out. Now, this is man's effort to help you. This is sometimes the best that man can do. And did you know, son, radiation, chemo, only a small percentage, it's less than 5%, actually recover from the treatment. Mm. So the best that man can do is very, very small. But think about what God can do. What God can do is very, very big. Amen. Whew, glory to God. Amen. Well, she said her eyes, the optic nerves were burnt by the treatment. She can't see. She lost the hearing in both ears. She can't hear. And she can barely walk. But we came because we saw the advertising, prayer for the sick. I believe part of what the church needs to do, we need to become more uh, cognizant, we need to be more aware that we need to talk about the gifts of the Spirit because our dying world needs the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. We need prophecy. Mm -hmm. We need a word from the Lord that charges us up, that edifies, that comforts. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. We need tongues. We need the interpretation of tongues. Yes. We need the gift of faith. Or as Howard Carter put it in his book, special faith. Mm -hmm. Son, I believe that afternoon under the tent, the gift of faith came in me. And I said to the girl that brought her, and to Brother Dalton, our dear brother, and Brother Blay, precious man, I said, I'm going to pray first that Jesus will, will open her deaf ears. Then when she can hear, I didn't say if she can hear, when she can hear, mm -hmm. I'm going to give her instruction and she will receive a miracle. Amen. So like Jesus did in the Bible where it speaks, he placed his fingers in the ears of the deaf. I did that. And I commanded deafness that came as a result of the cancer. Many times these spirits, these demons run together. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They say the radiation did it, but sometimes when I pray for people, I am aware that I'm dealing in a spiritual realm. 
which is another reason why we need the gifts of the Spirit. Our battle that we are engaged in, that Paul calls the good fight of faith, it's the one fight that the devil can never win. And it's the one fight the child of God always wins. Amen. The good fight of faith. Yeah. Praise God. So I commanded the deafness to go. And I said, Lord, give her new eardrums and new auditory nerves. And I ran my fingers down the side of her face. And then I commanded, thou shalt decree a thing. And the thing that you decree, that you speak, it shall come to pass. Amen. And I commanded her ears to open in the mighty name of Jesus. And he is the head of the church. Praise God. Amen. Well, when I did that, she looked around. And with a weak voice, because her voice actually had like a, a death rattle in it. I can hear. I can hear. Wow. I said, your friend, and I didn't even know the girl's name. I said, to her, what, what's your name? She said, I said, your friend's brought you to a tent revival. Because think about it. If she's blind and if she's deaf and she's dying... She didn't read the ad that says, prayer for the sick. She didn't drive the car that brought her to the crusade grounds. Mm -hmm. She didn't climb out of the car and come to the ramp. Oral Roberts wrote a book called Raising the Roof for Victory. <laughs> and I feel victory for every one of you today. Amen. Four men brought a man. He was born of four in a stretcher. But when they got to where Jesus was, Luke's account of this says that they could not get in where Jesus was. So they went up. And many times for you to get up, you got to go up. You got to go to the next level that God has for you. Amen. Now, this is an introduction to what we're talking about today. I, I hope this is helping you. Some call it going to the next level. Well, those four men did. <laughs> they went up, mm -hmm. tore up the tiling of the roof, and lowered the man down. See, the kingdom of God is based on a paradox. To go up, you got to go down. To have, you got to give. Everything in the things of the Spirit are diametrically opposed to the realm of the spirit of man. Mm -hmm. Man tries one thing, God does the right thing. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. Man does one thing, but God always does the right thing. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And Brian Wright, you ought to shout for that one. Amen. Put it in the mm -hmm. comments section, everybody that's watching. Man does one thing, God, God does the right thing. does the right thing. Well... When Jesus, the Bible says, looking up, saw their faith. They didn't even get down into the room. So your friends can have faith for you. Mm -hmm. As I said, I have someone watching today, a dear, dear person, 
love them, love them. And so they reached out to me and your mother, Sister Bonnie. And you know what? We're releasing our faith for that person. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there's times you need somebody to bring you to the place of the anointing. Amen. Karo Mashiach. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Glory, 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 glory. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Where we're going is better than where we are, Teddy. Glory, hallelujah forevermore. Well, Jesus said unto the man, rise. See, that's movement. His condition was not going to determine his position. Mm -hmm. Where we are in Christ. That's why I love the book of Ephesians. What is it? 83 times. In whom? In him. In Christ. The in Christ teaching. And nobody teaches it any better than Mark Hankins. Yep. He does phenomenal. He has a gift to teach on who we are in Christ. Yep. And I'm going to take a little bit from Mark and Trina. I always... Thought Trina and her sister Patsy were twins, but they're not. They're sisters. Their dad was an Assembly of God preacher out in Colorado. And we've all been raised around the move of the Spirit, is the point I'm making. And what I'm watching now, 40, 50 years later, many of us that as young people were submerged in the teachings of the things of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit of God, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, seems like God's using all of us in different capacities and measures. But the key to being used in the gifts of the Spirit, without any question, you can't be used in what you have no knowledge of. But once you have the knowledge of it, then the next step would be desire spiritual gifts. So for those of you that are watching, you put it in the comments. Number one, the number one thing that it takes to be used in the gifts of the Spirit is knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, John 32. Uh, You've got to have, you can't, Paul made this in, in Romans chapter 10. He said, how can they believe in someone they've never heard of? Right. And so you have to hear first before you can believe. You can't have faith for something you've never heard of. And that's interesting because when Paul went to Ephesus in Acts 19, he met 12 men and said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And you know what their answer was? We've not even heard there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. That's it. So they couldn't have faith for it because they'd never heard of it. And if there's not teaching and preaching on the gifts of the Spirit, and if you've not ingested teaching and preaching, you can't have the faith to operate. So number one, you've got to have knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit. And number two, you've got to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Right. And then it even takes you a step further under that. And I wrote it in my notes last night as I was preparing for today. Then it says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have to desire the gifts in totality as a whole, but we even take another step where it says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Yep. I see people have been giving... Everybody that gives, I'm going to give my son. He's getting ready to go on television all around the world. I'm giving him from our warehouse copies of our music CD that brings healing and help to people. It's entitled Wonderful Peace. It begins Amen. with the song Softly and Tenderly. 
and finishes up with, Oh, Lord, have mercy. And our dear friend Charles Cowan, Pastor Cowan, prays a prayer of faith and deliverance. So everybody that gives today will send you that. Now let me get back to this thought again. The man got up when Jesus saw faith presented. Mm -hmm. Now that would be the working of miracles, wouldn't it? So another thing that causes the gifts to work is the operation of personal faith. Now, to remove ignorance, you got to understand what the, the gifts are about. But then that teaching, that word preached, produces faith. But you got to desire it. So the woman under the tent there in Lexington, I give her the instruction. I said, now when Jesus destroys this brain tumor, your eyes are going to come open to you as a sign. I linked the miracle with a miracle. Mm -hmm. Think about that. <laughs> Might as well get it all, Brother Shambaugh. You say, get it all, girl. <laughs> and I laid hands on the... She had one of those Mr. Magoo hats. You ever seen like a white tennis hat that droops down on all sides? If it rains, your head's safe. <laughs> and she had had, as I said, all that surgery and problem on the top of her head. Well... While I was praying and cursing the life of the tumor and the life of the cancer, all of a sudden, we hear her voice with that death rattle. Her, she was about gone. In fact, they were taking her to hospice mm -hmm. from the tent. But when God touches you, God interrupts the plans of the people. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll never forget this. She said, I, I can see. I can see. I said, well, then the tumor is gone. Amen. And I reached down and took her by the hand, and Brother Dalton was on this side, Brother Blay. I said, I, I command you in the name of Jesus, stand up. She stood up. And her legs were a little wobbly, and your mom was down at the foot of the prayer ramp, a little bit of an incline. I said, that's my wife. Go down there and hug her. I didn't even... Hold on to her. She just started going first a little bit. Next thing you know, boom, 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 and hugged my wife, and her friend went down, willing the empty wheelchair. Picture this in your mind. Mm -hmm. The gifts of the Spirit had within them that day the destruction of a brain tumor, the opening of the eyes of the blind, the opening of deaf ears, Amen. and strength. The Bible says God will give you strength as your days. Amen. I'm, I, I really think I'm stronger now than I used to be. I walk every day about a mile or two, lift weights. I mean, I'm stronger now than I think maybe back when I played football, but I feel pretty good. <laughs> and as long as you live, that's your promise. And the gifts of the Spirit, as I say, have within them even the extension or the promise of long life at work. Now, my son said something at the beginning of this about the Holy Spirit. Seven of the gifts, seven, that's five, that's two. Seven of the <laughs> gifts operated in the Old Testament before the cross. And if you think about it, any of the gifts that Jesus performed that's recorded in the four gospels mm -hmm. was before the cross. Right. Seven of the gifts operate in the Old Testament. 
The two gifts that did not operate in the Old Testament were speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues, and interpretation of those self-same tongues. Mm -hmm. All the other seven are found from Genesis to Malachi, which is Malachi <laughs> to you that are English, but the Italians know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but they operated through a threefold anointing. The prophet, the priest, and the king. Miracles per se took place when God would intervene for the nation of Israel. But he used Moses, who, and the Bible says Jesus was a prophet like unto Moses. That means Moses was a prophet. Yep. How to be used in the gifts. So there was a, there was a, a limitation of who could be used mm. in the gifts yeah. in the Old Testament. The prophet, the priest, the kings. Threefold. Now, in this dispensation, in this time that we live in, and since the cross, but notice, it took an upper room experience. Yeah. I was watching a man teach the other day. He said, when we talk about the cross, we're talking about this and that. And basically, he was talking about the redemptive work of Christ. But the cross was the gateway to the upper room. Mm-hmm. If there had been no shedding of blood, no payment for sin, then the Holy Spirit could not have come. Mm -hmm. To be used in the gifts, you must be saved. Yeah. You must be washed in the blood. And I'm going to take it another step. I believe to be used in the gifts. Now, not to receive the gifts because I've seen sinners heal, a word given to sinners through prophecy. I've seen God do that. Now, you have to come to the upper room, and you cannot, as a believer, be used in the gifts of the Spirit until you receive the mighty baptism Amen. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, fix it, son. Amen. Um, I think this is very important because we talked about first knowledge. Yep. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You have to have knowledge. Secondly... 1 Corinthians 4, 1, desire spiritual gifts, desire. Mm -hmm. And then under that, covet earnestly the best gifts. But to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, Jesus said this. In the book of Acts, the Lord said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Yeah. And then he told them, you shall receive power and the word there is dunamis, you know that, mm -hmm. where we get our word dynamite. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be, King James says, witnesses. Yeah. There's a book by a man named William Barclay, an English author, called The Miracles of Jesus. And in it, he deals with the root word there for witnesses means also signs. And the Bible says, these signs mm -hmm. shall follow them that believe. So again, you've got to be washed in the blood of believer. Mm -hmm. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But then the Bible says, 
that they could only be witnesses or have the signs after they received the Holy Ghost. Yep. So if you want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, you have to have received the giver of yeah. the gifts. You see what I mean? Yeah. Now let me finish this up before we take some more questions. But here's the thing. Jesus said, you shall receive power, dunamis. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses unto me, Judea, excuse me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So the gifts have within them an exponential power to evangelize. One of the purposes of the gifts of the Spirit is they evangelize the lost world that we live in. Amen. That's one of the most important things about the gifts. God uses them to bring in the net as we bring in the harvest. Hallelujah. Amen. Now get this in your spirit under this first part, which I'm calling an introduction today. Some years later on Facebook, my wife hears from the lady that was healed of the brain tumor. Now, on the last day of the meeting, we hadn't seen her. From that Sunday till the next Sunday, she was not there for the whole week. We wondered, where is she? On the last Sunday, she came in a sort of a, a peach-colored dress, high-heeled shoes, pulling two red-headed girls up the ramp for prayer. And I said to Brother Shambach, this is the woman they gave up to die. And uh, Brother Shambach said to her, What's your favorite song, girl? <laughs> she said, Amazing Grace. <laughs> Brother Shambach said, Everybody stand. Here's a woman that God healed last Sunday of a brain tumor. And he took her testimony. I, I, I got to find out from Don. I know Bobby was very diligent to record and keep a record of everything, but uh, she gave the testimony. They kept her at the Baptist hospital all week, couldn't find the brain tumor, wouldn't let her go. She wanted to come back. They wouldn't let her go. But she came on the last day with the report, brain tumor gone. Amen. So what's your favorite song, girl? She said, Amazing Grace. Brother Shambach said, Everybody stand. And I remember Brother Lance began to sing it. We all sang it. Amazing Grace. <laughs> How sweet the sound. And you see, the gift of faith can be released through a song. Amen. Did you know that? Yes, I did. How to be used of God. Sometimes when the Spirit starts moving, you just need to worship and praise God. There's power in your praise. Amen. There's power in your worship. The Bible says when the minstrels played, the prophets prophesied. That's a gift of the Spirit, mm -hmm. the gift of prophecy. When did they do it? When music, praise, worship came from the minstrels. Yeah. It stirred up the gifts on the inside and God began to use them. Make sure, I, I did a partner banquet recently in, in the restaurant. Nice people, love the owner, he's a good man. They were playing uh, music by Frank Sinatra. So I asked the waitress, I said, do you mind uh, turning that off please? And someone said, oh, it's all right. No, it's not all right because you see the atmosphere that you create for God to work in has to be an atmosphere where the praise and the power of the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. is in operation. Amen. The praise and the power of the Holy Ghost is in operation. Yeah. My brother Tim, when he was close to death in the hospital years ago, my 
Dad brought in a, a tape and Tim played it in his bed. The nurse allowed him just over and over praise music, over and over. Poison had filled his body. His appendix had burst. They removed it, but they didn't know if he'd make it or not. But he began to fill that hospital room with praise and mm -hmm. worship. And the Lord raised him. The Lord raised him up. Amen. Keep the atmosphere around you filled with praise for the gifts to operate. Amen. Keep it. Keep that atmosphere charged up. Everybody likes different kind of music. I, if my music's not moving 100 miles an hour, I don't listen to it. <laughs> I like music that moves you. And when it starts, next thing I know, I'm talking in tongues and praising the Lord and giving God glory. And the gifts, the atmosphere for the, well, someone said, but Jesus didn't have a band and he didn't have musicians. No, he didn't. But I do. <laughs> and I use them. Amen. Amen. The Lord was kind enough to wait till my generation <laughs> to give us great anointed music and musicians. Amen. <laughs> I have a friend <laughs> that I love so much. He he was trying somebody was trying to instruct him what he needed to do with his worship and his answer to the guy was, Jesus didn't have a band. I thought that was a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about my dear brother Rodney. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, getting back to this, getting back to this thought, we need to understand, if we're going to be used in the gifts, that there are certain things that we can do to prepare the ground for the operation of the gifts. Going back over it, knowledge of the gifts. God doesn't want us to be ignorant concerning the gifts, number one. Number two, desire. Mm -hmm. Desire comes from knowledge. That's right. The Old Testament shows us. Yep. Then, not only desire, and I say there's a subpart to that, covet earnestly the best gifts. You begin to, it's like sharpening a knife blade. You're honing it. Mm -hmm. You're getting it where you'll be sharp, be able to cut by the word of God the things the devil's trying to bind people with. And then, of course, you must be saved. Yep. Washed in the blood, the cross, the cleansing of the blood. But don't stop there. Come on to the upper room. For Jesus said, if you want these signs to operate in Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe in my yep. name. They shall speak with new tongues. That's mm -hmm. one of the gifts. That's right. So it's biblical, as we used to say in Bible school, hermeneutically correct in Bible interpretation to take that word witnesses from Acts chapter 1, which means signs, and then bring it over to Mark 16, where the Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. And one of the signs is the utterance gifts. Yep, absolutely. Then it says you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Mm -hmm. Another one of the signs is the power gifts, mm -hmm. seen there in the area of the gifts of healing. And so the gifts are a part of, but come after the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's right. You cannot operate in the gifts. You can't be using the gifts until you receive the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it's an interesting thought as well, is that the Bible says God, his nature never changes. He said, I'm the Lord your God. I don't change. And it's very interesting, as my, my dad made the point, that in the Old Testament, the only people that could be used in the gifts of the Spirit were kings, priests, and prophets. 
In the New Testament, the exact same thing is true. The only people that can be used in the gifts of the Spirit are priests and kings, just like in the Old Testament. Listen to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, speaking of Jesus, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and and priests priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Actually, uh, the word reign is also in Mophis, I think it's rule. So the gifts help you to exercise your authority and dominion on the earth. Amen. Because we have been made kings and priests. I was going to get to that verse later, but anyhow... (laughs) And that's, that's for people that, that may feel like, well, I'm, I'm not someone that could operate in the gifts. I'm not someone. Every believer. Could. You're a priest and a king. Every believer can be used in the gifts. Amen. It doesn't say now under the prophet. Right. Now under the evangelist. But the Bible says these gifts are given severally, as he wills, and thank God he's willing. Amen. To everyone. Everyone can be used in the gifts. Yeah, Absolutely. To answer Sarah's question, yes, the answer is yes. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence. It's not the only evidence. They don't teach that. They teach it's the first and initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Initial, overt, outward evidence. The the example is throughout the entire book of Acts. Every time people were filled with the Holy Ghost, they they first spoke with tongues. That's Acts chapter 2. That's in Acts chapter 8. Even though it doesn't say it, it infers it because... Everyone saw that everybody was filled with the Holy Ghost, and Simon the sorcerer tried to buy that power. And there were miracles and healings, so we know that wasn't the sign of the filling of the Spirit. Yes. We'd already seen that. Simon saw something different. There are five examples in the book of Acts of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Three of the five, it says they spoke with tongues. That's right. Acts 10 would be another one. As Peter preached, they were saved. They filled the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with the tongues and prophesy. Acts 19, all 12 men Paul laid hands on were uh, filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. So yes, according to what we have in Scripture, uh, as the narrative of the book of Acts, how God did it, every time people filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues as the sign that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Sarah, if you don't know, uh, if you'll go to MiracleWordU.com, we've set up Miracle Word University, and one of the courses that will really encourage you and be a help to understand is we teach pneumatology part one, which is on the baptism and power of the Holy Spirit. About five hours of teaching there at miraclewordu.com. It'll really, really help you and bless you. And then we'll have part two on pneumatology coming out uh, before long on the gifts of the Spirit as well. But the desire, but that's that's interesting. You talk about the power of praise because many people don't understand the moment you begin to praise God, it activates his presence. So how can you be moving in the power of God without the presence of God? You can't. The word for praise in the New Testament is the Greek word entheos. It translates fleshly demonstrations of joy. Now, since we know the flesh, the Bible says, wars against the spirit, Mm -hmm. the importance of anointed music and praise is it causes the flesh to submit to what, again, entheos, demonstrations of joy. Mm -hmm. Once you get that flesh in the anointing, then your mind and your spirit follow. A lot of people in some churches, the mistake they make is 
You get someone up there with a guitar, and I'm not opposed to a guitar. That's what I first learned on. Strumming as slow as they can, they, they say, well, this is the praise and worship service. No, it's not. If the song is not moving people into fleshly demonstrations of joy first, and there's a difference between praise and worship. Absolutely. Uh, praise, entheos, it has to do with getting the flesh under. When people come into a meeting or a service, they don't come in speaking in tongues and filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of them just came from work where they just got cussed out or they heard unclean things. And it's like taking a, 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 a cup and a pitcher and you pour the water in, but it leaks out because you're using up the anointing to maintain what you've got to have. You need to be refilled again and mm -hmm. filled again and filled again. Well, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit in operation, getting back to praise, in my meetings I call it miracle music. And if my, my son will tell you, if he starts, you know, he's playing a little song, I say, hey, pick it up. No, that's not it. Why do I do that? Not because he's not a good uh, worship leader when he does it, because I've learned you can't let it stop flowing. You've got to keep it moving. And uh, uh, someone said, I've never seen so many miracles like I do. And a guy called me the day said, what is your secret? Well, I believe part of it is the music. Miracle music. We have the best guys, Tim Adams, Brad Strobel, John Grimsley, yourself. And uh, I've invited Edwin Sopavalda to come to camp me this year, great saxophone player. Hey, we need to take time to praise and worship God. Yeah. And don't be afraid to make a, uh, the Bible says, praise him skillfully with a loud noise. Mm -hmm. I laugh when I see people come to church and start putting earplugs in. I know it. I went back the, the other night. I was in Indiana, and a lady was crippled, and she couldn't hear my instructions. So I reached over, and I pulled the plugs out of both her ears and pitched them. <laughs> I said, God's going to heal you. And she said, it's too loud. I said, I'm not talking about the music. I'm talking about you. Right. And I prayed for her, and God healed her out of that wheelchair. And she got up and started praising God and dancing. I noticed all of a sudden she forgot about the loudness of the music. Yeah. Some of you are anointed with what I call the spirit of stupidity, but God didn't give it to you. <laughs> it's your own carnal nature trying to create your atmosphere of what I call lazy boy religion. And, and you so watch much. the gifts do not operate in those kind of churches or ministries That's or true. people. It, because it's soulish. You know, one of the things that irritates me a lot is there are so many churches that have really moved praise out. You know, they do, they'll do maybe like one mid-tempo song to start the service because they know they kind of need to to get kind of get everybody in the door. And then they just go right into like this flowy, low worship. And there's no supernatural element to it. God has a system that he created that must be followed. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Then enter his courts with praise. That's the outer court, by the way. If you look at the way that the temple was formed in the Old Testament, you have the outer court, then the inner court, then the Holy of Holies. People want to jump straight into the Holy of Holies. You can't do that. God has a system. You've got to come into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his, I tell people this. You're not even qualified to worship God until you've sufficiently praised him. Until you, and, and by the way, let me just get into this for anybody that's wondering about and it. And you start with thanksgiving. Yeah. There is, you, you look through the Old and New Testament. Every time there was breakthrough tied to this, it was always tied to praise and it was never tied to worship. You look through the Old Testament and the New. They praised God and it brought a breakthrough. 
They praised God and it brought a breakthrough. It was always tied to praise. It was never tied to worship. And your song should be centered around Jesus. Yeah. Not blue skies and rippling brooks and green grass. <laughs> I've, I heard a song the other day. They didn't even mention Jesus. But boy, we sure had a wonderful time thanking God for a blue sky. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, it's the spirit of stupidity. It's yeah. actually a form of deception, if you want to know the truth. It's soulish. The devil deceives people because the devil knows how powerful your praise is. Mm -hmm. The devil knows how powerful Christ-centered praise and worship is. Absolutely. Now, Thanksgiving that he just quoted from the Old Testament, it meant the Thanksgiving offering. And there were two ingredients that made up the Thanksgiving offering, the flour and the oil. I just did a series on my Facebook on Thanksgiving, the missing ingredient, the key ingredient, the final ingredient, mm -hmm. and uh, we just need to understand the flour, the bread speaks of Jesus. He's the bread of life. The oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. Even in our praise, the anointing has to be on the nature of Jesus in our praise yep. to be thankful. I thank, I tell the story of Brother Shambach, that woman in the church in Newark was down at the altar and he was trying to hold a meeting, and all of a sudden this lady come down, and she's down there going, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, and just kept going and going, please, Jesus. And he said, man, it was killing the meeting. So he went over, and he said, Lord, help me to help this dear person. And the Lord said, tell her to change one word. Instead of saying, please, Jesus, tell her to say, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he leaned down and said, Instead of saying, please, say, thank you, Jesus. So he said, she started again, thank you, Jesus. Same wail, same spirit-killing, soul-wrenching. Thank you, Jesus. But he said the third time, the Holy Ghost hit her. Thank you. Oh, she said. Thank you. Oh. And then the fourth, fifth time, thank you, Jesus. She jumped up and danced out of her shoes across the front of that uh platform there in the Newark Miracle Temple. And the, she couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> but whatever it was, it wasn't heavy enough or strong enough to keep her from praising God. Amen. And in your thanksgiving, as you enter into his presence, you don't talk about, oh, Lord, did you hear the last thing they told me? Oh, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Get that out of your spirit <laughs> and begin to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the gifts correspond, I believe, to the same degree as what we operate in our praise and thanksgiving. You remember the, did you ever read those books I had in my library growing up by Lillian B. Yeomans on healing? There were I have her. Four uh, or five of them I had. The, I only have the one of hers is the, the, the collection of poems and songs that she put together. She used to care for the sick and she got so worn out she started taking morphine for energy and got addicted, mm -hmm. became an addict. And she knew it so bad, she said, I gotta, I gotta be set free. She began to pray, oh God, deliver me from this addiction, deliver me from this opioid, deliver me. And one day the Lord came to her in a vision and she saw a scale, like a scale of justice. One side was way up high, the other was down low. And the Lord said to her, this that's weighted down is all of your request to me. This here is where you're lacking. That's praise. When you get the, the scale level, 
you'll be healed. So she said, I begin to praise the Lord and praise the Lord and praise the Lord and praise the Lord. And then the next thing she know, she was delivered from that addiction. Amen. So the importance of praise and bringing healing and deliverance is vital in your understanding of how to be used in the gifts. Amen. What are some things that you have seen that you do that you've learned from other men of God that you've seen that were uh, strongly used in the gifts of the Spirit that seem to be staples of their life? or, uh, you know, habits that they employed? What, what are some of those things? I mean, obviously they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and they were dedicated to God in praise. And, but what would you say are some of those things that kind of look like the same in every person's life that operated strongly in the gifts of the Spirit? What they would say when they stood before the people. I've been in meetings where a minister will get up and say, well, you all pray for me. And then they start giving you an organ recital. <laughs> the liver, the stomach, the heart. The... I never, in all the years that I was with Brother Shambach, I never heard him get up and say, I only have 30% blood flow or 15% when he started believing God. He'd get up and preach to the people. Mm -hmm. Even when he was told that he had maybe three months to live and he came to Dallas, Texas, we had the tent up there, I said, what are you doing here? He said, I come over here. He said, I'm not going to let you have all the fun. Bless his heart. And we spent every day together. And the doctors told him his blood flow was 15%. When he called me, he said, could you fill in for me in Chicago, New York City? And then I'm doing a 17-day tent crusade in Dallas. And he said, I'm going I'm to turn it over to you to, to do, son. I said, yeah. And you remember. You and I were pitching the baseball out in front of the hotel room and he came out that day and was watching us. But I told him about planting seed that takes about 90 days to germination. And I said, when he told me they had 90 days, the doctor said it looked like about 90 days to live. I said, Brother Shambach, 90 days to a miracle, sir. He said, I'm going to have this guy from Berkey and Sheline call you. He said, explain that teaching to them. Because he put a letter out about how God was going to bring his, the children. Not even about Brother Shambach. He was always about the people getting help. 90 days to a miracle. And he had me write a little cover letter. I still have it in my note somewhere. But he got in that anointing. But I never heard him get up and say, I got a death sentence over my life. Same with T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne was a positive message man. God loves you. God will touch you. You're valuable to God. Powerful, see. Mm -hmm. Brother Hagin, man of few words, but when he did speak, you listen. Some people talk about E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. That's a lie. <laughs> I never listen to anything, especially when they let us down the road of the bankruptcy that happened. Amen. <laughs> no, no. But Brother Hagin understood the power of words. In fact, he said one day he was reading the Pentecostal Evangel, and they had one of Smith Wigglesworth's sermons in the Evangel. And he said, the Lord spoke to him. I want you to zero in on teaching my people faith. And the Lord said, all this is good. They do this in Bible schools. But I want you to cut out the excess and teach people the confession of faith, the operation of faith. And I, as far as I know, he was obedient to that till the day he went to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
I was around him. I've, I rode in cars with Brother Hagin, ate in restaurants. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, Jesse Rich. We talked about being with Brother Hagin, Sam Smith one time, and then down there when you were graduating. Mm -hmm. And we got our picture taken together, and then I said, but, and he'd never do it because he would never recognize it, but I noticed his legs were a little shaking. He stood there for two hours taking pictures with graduates, and I said, come over here, Brother Hagin, get the seat. And he and Sister Aretha sat down. You remember that? And I had Billy go get him a, a little bit of water and everything, and... He, he just looked at me, smiling, and then the only thing he said was, thank you, son. I mean, that was Brother Hagin. He guarded his words. So I've noticed these great men of God. Also, David Nunn, I was around him. He was the same. Uh, John Osteen. We would sit with uh, uh, them when they would come into the meetings. I would, and your mother, if she was there, and mm -hmm. Sister Doty, And uh, again, Brother Osteen, great Irishman. <laughs> great fella, great jokester, but he always let his words lift you up. Mm -hmm. This is my Bible. Mm -hmm. I can have what it says I can. I can do what, you know, always these men that were mightily used of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Sumrall. Now, Brother Sumrall seemed to be very stern, but he wasn't. He didn't allow any foolish conversation or jesting or anything like that around him. That was his nature because mm -hmm. he had to deal with demon spirits all the time. He had a gift that when he'd get around people with demons, they would manifest. They would manifest. So he guarded his words. So I would say to answer that question that if we're going to be used in the gifts and especially in any of the utterance gifts, there can't be two streams. If you go up in the hill behind our house where the one stream comes down on the one side and then the other, and then that big pool, uh, pond up there, there's one stream because it comes out of an artesian well. It's clear and pure. You can drink right out of it. The other's got mud and debris and junk in it. And when those two streams join, then the pure stream picks up the unclean part of the other stream. Mm -hmm. I saw that. I've seen it. You've been up on the hill there with me. Yeah. Now, it's the same with the things of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pure. The things of the Spirit are pure. So if we allow our tongue, our conversation, to speak the things which are unclean of the world, it pollutes the purity of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to work on that dairy farm in Wisconsin for Brother Hartnell. One summer, Murray Jackson and I went out and Stayed out there with Steve and Gary and Kay, and uh, that was Brother Hartnell's children. And one day he was bringing the cattle in, and I was on the other side of the road, and I said, he said, if you're thirsty, have some of that water. And it was clear, and I just started drinking it. Oh, it was beautiful. We went on the other side where the, the cattle came in, and they had the trough, but the water coming out was muddy-looking and brown. I said, what's wrong with the water? Nothing, Brother Hartnell said, it's the pipe that the water's flowing through. It's picking up the sediment and the rust and so forth. Well, that's the same. You and I, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Mm -hmm. Our job is to make sure not too much of the sediment gets in the purity of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So the power of guarding your words, speaking right words, staying in faith. Uh, and when speaking right words, talk about as well that what you saw personally and from the those different men of God regarding 
how that transitioned into their prayer or their habits of prayer. I never saw the private prayer of any of those men, but I saw the public results of their prayer. Mm -hmm. Now, in Miami, I went to Stan Morris Church and Stan's in heaven now, precious man. He was from West Virginia. They called him Coach. And uh, Brother Hagen was teaching on prayer in the day service. Then he would kneel down and lead us all in praying. So I watched how he did it, what he said, how Brother Hagen prayed, and, and taught us to pray. Brother Shambach, when I traveled with him all those years, he liked to leave the hotel about 12.30 to go get lunch. He always said, let's let all the rush our folks eat and get out of there because he didn't like to wait. Mm -hmm. And he had important things to do, preach that night, whatever. So we go, especially in New York, he loved the diners. <laughs> and then on the way back, he always give me a cup of coffee. If it was a Dunkin's or whatever, we'd go through the drive-thru. And then <clears throat> he said, I got to go to my room. And i never forget, he'd go in there and he'd sit on a chair and rock it back and he'd put his reading glasses on. And then, all right, get out of here. I got to get ready for tonight. And I'd leave. And uh, before I get down the hall, you could hear him. Ah, oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. He'd start praising God. Then when Donnie or I would go to get him, uh, to take him to the meeting, you get up there, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And driving from the hotel to the tent or the auditoriums, he didn't like people to talk. If anybody was going to talk, he'd do the talking. But he tried to maintain that atmosphere of prayer all the way to the pulpit. We used to set trailers up behind the tent. We'd rent a uh, lazy boy chair for him. i never forget that. <laughs> and he'd go in there and sit down, and he'd say to Donnie, go get me some coffee. <clears throat> and he'd sit in there, and we'd shut the door. Donnie would stand outside of the trailer. Usually Brother Shambot would give me instructions, go in and get these testimonies or, or whatever, and I'd go up to the platform before Lance would begin the worship, and, and I would say, if God's performed a miracle in your life, and Brother Shambach has ministered to you. We'd like to hear about it. And they'd meet me on the side, and we'd write down their testimonies. David Vaughn would take their picture, and, and then I'd have them ready for when he came out. But let's say 30, 40 minutes went by because we get to the tent early. I'd go back there before, the, and he's still in there. You hear him praying, mm -hmm. praying. I believe, and I wrote this down, that one of the keys to the gifts of the Spirit, to a supernatural ministry, is the area of prayer. Jesus taught that secret prayer and fasting produces a public ministry. Mm -hmm. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, Jesus said, But you, when you pray, enter into your closet, and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. That's why I said to you, I never saw their private prayer mm -hmm. because they were obeying what Jesus said. Right. Secret prayer. Now, publicly, people can tell. I can tell whether a preacher is a man of prayer or not. Right. A woman of prayer. It comes out in their preaching. Yep. 
See, the letter killeth, but the Spirit makes alive. And to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to be saturated in prayer. Mm -hmm. Saturated in prayer. Until you're like a Holy Ghost sponge. If people squeeze you, the anointing comes out. The mm -hmm. gifts begin to operate. You're filled up with the power of God. And that's prayer. Yeah. Now, I personally believe, and I, I read some of the books you tell me about and some of the new writers and so forth. None of them that I've read of the new generation that I've seen. Now, I like Mark Batterson's book. Do you know that book? No. I like that. But by and large, the new generation of people that write about the things of God, there's no anointing in their books or their thinking or their writing. Why? They're not people of prayer. Very obvious. It's true. Very obvious. But Jesus said... Just for the record, I didn't recommend any of those books from any young non-anointed people. <laughs> books, the 17 books? Yeah, you're saying, you've told, they're books I've told you, I've not told you to read any books by new generation unanointed people. No, he just wanted to know what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I didn't recommend any of those books. Right, that's right. I recommend books from anointed people. <laughs> then Jesus said in the sixth chapter on down, when you fast, he didn't say if you fast, he said when you fast. When you fast, mm -hmm. it's a must, yeah. Other than your mother, most people never know when I fast because I don't announce it. Right. I don't come, oh, man, it's been 10 days since I had any food. Right. No, when you fast, anoint your head with oil. Yeah. That's like saying, you know. And that's what the Pharisees were doing that Jesus rebuked them for. Wash thy face. Did you, well, I... <laughs> That you appear not unto men to fast, but rather to your father in secret. So one of the keys about these great men of God, I know Brother Shambach fasted in the tents. He would tell us which days we weren't to eat. Yep. I remember one day we were driving back. He went to get, what was it, shoelaces or something. And there's his crusade manager walking with, with a sandwich. It was the day we're supposed to fast. So mm. Shambach said, pull the car over. I pulled over, dropped the window down. And he says to the guy, did you forget? Did you get the memo? What was that, Brother Shambach? We're fasting today. Everybody, the whole team. The guy says to Brother Shambach, I have low blood sugar. <laughs> Brother Shambach said, well, come on tonight. We're having a healing meeting. I'll pray for you. And then we, he said, come on, let's go. So... There are times that we fast and pray to see the power of God move or operate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell about two I just was hoping that guy isn't watching, bless his heart. <laughs> Tell about Brother Allen how he'd fast through the whole crusade. 17-day meeting. Brother Shan And I never knew Brother Allen. But Brother Allen received the gifts of the Spirit by going into a closet and locking himself in it. Mm -hmm. And... He was in there fasting, praying. He said, I don't know how long it was, days, hours, whatever. When all of a sudden the closet lit up bright and Jesus spoke to him and gave him a list of things that he had to do to have the gifts operate. Yeah. For those and of you who know, he's talking about A.A. A. Allen. Right. The who, Price of God's Miracle Working Power is the name of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those that don't know, he was a mighty evangelist during the Voice of Healing movement in America after World War II set up his tent all over America, have mighty, mighty signs, wonders, miracles. His videos are still on YouTube. You can search him, A.A. A. Allen. And that book is actually one of the books that was on the uh, the list of 17 
the price of God's miracle working power, what Jesus told him in the prayer closet that he needed to do, because he was frustrated, right, about the fact that he didn't have signs, wonders like he wanted in his meetings. He was pastoring in Corpus Christi, Texas, an Assembly of God church there. When a friend of his in town of another denomination said, there's a man who has a tent up in Dallas and great miracles are taking place. The man they were talking about was Oral Roberts. So they went up to Dallas, he and this other preacher from Corpus Christi, Texas, and he sat on the platform with the ministers and he said, I wept. I saw miracles like I'd never seen them before. Now, remember this, when he was in Lamar, Colorado, was when he went into the prayer closet, and God gave him a list mm -hmm. of things he needed to check off in his life. Two of those things, he never told people what they were. But he, I like the way he wrote, he said, but the day came, I was able to check them off. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the way he wrote that, because you may have things in your life you need the Holy Spirit to put his finger on and get rid of right. for God to use you. And again, Jesus said, go in your closet. And Brother Allen took Jesus literally, went in a closet. But then the battle was on, even to the point where he lost his voice mm. and couldn't preach. And the Lord told him it was a spirit of fear. And he had his wife, Lexi, cast the spirit of fear out of him and his voice came back. But he, t he, he became what some call a company man. He was working for the denomination, building up a church, doing well. By all reports, everybody loved him. But when he went to Oral's meeting, God reminded him of when he paid the price of fasting and prayer. And then he launched out. First, he, first tent meeting was Yakima, Washington. Mm -hmm. And he had his offices in Colorado. He went back to Colorado. Then from there, he moved his operation to Indiana. And Sister Allen started the Clay City Assembly of God where Jim Palmer's dad pastored, and I preached in it. And Brother Allen ran his offices out of Indianapolis. From there, he uh, put his tent up in Elkhart, and then for Brother Vibbert down in Evansville, then he moved his offices to Dallas, Texas. Mm. And his ministry just kept exploding. He went on radio, later TV. Yeah. But prayer, private prayer in a closet. And very, very important. And he'd fast through those entire crusades. 17 days, Brother Shambach said, Brother Allen wouldn't eat a thing. Wouldn't eat a thing. He gave Brother, Brother Shambach $100 to take the guys to the restaurant. Brother Shambach said, we'd leave the tent lot after the service, maybe 11 o'clock at night, go into town, get a little bite to eat, refreshment come back around 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, and they could hear Brother Allen in his trailer, Oh, Jesus, move again. And he wouldn't eat, and he, he, he just spent all night, most of the day in prayer, fasting for those crusades. He could start out with 400 people, and before the tent came down, he'd have five, 6,000 under the tent. Mm. With some of the greatest miracles, that Brother Shambach said, I ever saw him. Brother Shambach said, I saw them all, Jack Cole and uh, Branham. But he said, Brother Allen was used greatly in the working of miracles and in the casting out of devils. And let me just say, that's the gift of faith and the working of miracles to cast out a devil. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to have the gifts in operation, there are 
what I call three keys to the supernatural ministry. And prayer and fasting is a part of it. And the Bible says, Jesus said in that same chapter, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, that includes the gifts, mm -hmm. shall be added unto you. And then in Acts 6, 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Right. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Amen. And Paul knew the key to the being used in the gifts. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 15, you've heard me preach this, verse 19, mm -hmm. through mighty signs and wonders. That's the operation of the gifts of the spirit, gifts of healing, working of miracles in particular. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit, that's the baptism and the full function of the Holy Spirit in your life. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto the Laricum, I have fully preached the gospel. Fully preached the gospel. The record here shows that the gospel of Christ is fully preached through the gifts of the Spirit, through mighty signs and wonders. Some of you were on your church that says full gospel. Just get a paintbrush and run it through the word full and put half <laughs> because you're not preaching the full gospel unless you have the gifts of the Spirit in operation in your services and in your life. Key, prayer and fasting, and then preaching, speaking the word. In a moment, if we have time, I'll get into the area of to be used of the gifts, the importance of faith. We already talked about the common denominator among many of the great men that I knew how they guarded their speech, mm -hmm. but also not guarding it, what they said. Right. What they said. So as not to pollute the atmosphere or the stream that the Spirit is moving in yeah. with words of unbelief. You want to come back tomorrow and do part two on the how to be using the gifts of the Spirit? What time is it? So I'm about 10 till 12. I would be glad to. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, because this is a subject people need to understand and it's not it's not something you can just you know run through people really i believe this is super important and i'd also like to take a few questions here at the end of the day uh before people go and i know rodney had a question sarah let me answer sarah's question quickly on fasting let's just do that let's do fasting and i mean let's do questions to finish up yeah sarah said you know your your wife did she uh fast well she was pregnant or nursing uh and and that answer that is no the Lord understands that you've got to... And I wouldn't let your mother do it either. Yeah. The Lord understands that you've got to give that baby nourishment and life. You've got your entire life to fast and pray. Uh, you should still pray, obviously. But the Lord understands he created your body and uh, you know to have children and to take care of those children. Take care of your children, but don't stop praying. Continue to pray. But then when, you know, when you're able to, again, fast and pray. Rodney said... Uh, both evangelist Ted, evangelist Ted Sear, how many people did you pray for before a healing or miracle manifested in the life of the person that you prayed for? Well, what you need to understand, who was that that said that? That's Rodney Hall out of outside of St. Louis. Brother Rodney, what you need to understand, there's a difference between the working of miracles that takes place instantly mm -hmm. and the gifts of healing, which is a gradual progression. Now, to prove that... The miracle book of the four Gospels is the Gospel of Mark. The key words are the words forthwith, immediately, straightway. A miracle takes place 
instantly. Mm -hmm. The working of miracles. When Jesus, the first miracle, John 2, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it happened right then. Not over the progression of a couple of hours or the next day. But the second miracle of Jesus, when he healed the noble man's son, the Bible says, and from that hour, mm -hmm. the young man began to amend or get better. Miracles is instantaneous. Gifts of healing is progressive. The first miracle that I remember, that I saw, was a young lady in Bible school, and we were all praying, and she was crippled. She was a young Jewish girl that got born again, and her parents disowned her. And then she lost her ability to walk, and they were going to send her home, but her parents didn't want her. And we got in the chapel, and the whole student body began to pray. And they carried her in. Her name was Cheryl. And uh, the power of God came on her. And she jumped out of that chair that they carried her in and began to dance before the Lord. The legs that wouldn't work were not working. She danced so hard, she wore the bottoms of her stockings out, and her stockings slid right up her legs. Mm. It, was, it was funny <laughs> and not. To her, it was wonderful. God healed her. And the last I heard, she became a missionary for, for Christ. That was the first miracle that I remember seeing, but not the first one uh, in the sense of my dad had a lady in one of his churches that had a withered arm. I was a young boy. I still remember it, but I didn't understand it. Sometimes we see miracles all around us and we don't understand God is in them. And she come up to the altar, and you know my father, your grandfather, he always had a sense of humor. I said, what are you believing for, Sister Vance? I'll use that name. And she said, I, I want God to heal my arm through arthritis problems that had withered up. Dad said, well, how high could you lift it before it was crippled? Oh, she said, I used to lift it like this. Stuck her arm up. Then when she realized her arm was in the air, she started shouting. She used to wear a hair bun and a little net to hold her hair. And she shouted till it came off. The hair came down. How I know my job at the end of services was to pick up all the bobby pins around the altar and put them in that mason jar that dad gave me. Amen. That was probably the first, what we would call miracles, instantly. Sister Vance and dad's church. I remember that. And then, of course, Cheryl when I was 18 in the Bible school. And um, then as I began to travel and operate so many miracles, but I have learned that you have to teach people how to keep absolutely what God gives them. If we have time tomorrow, talking about how to be used in the gifts, I think people that are receiving the manifestation of gifts need to learn how to keep what God gives them. When I was at Rama, there was, I won't name his name, but there was a healing evangelist internationally known, had crusades all over the world, and he contacted the Rama headquarters because their team, after the crusades would happen, they'd follow up with the people who were healed and find out many times they'd lost their healing. Mm -hmm. So he contacted Brother Hagen in the offices and said, could we connect our crusades with Rama churches in those areas so that after they're healed, they could go to a church that'll continue to teach and preach healing so that they can keep their miracle. And uh, sometimes people come into meetings from places where they don't even teach or preach healing or miracles, and they catch faith in the meeting to be healed and go back to an atmosphere where there's no faith and no teaching. That's they, why I tell people to leave their church. Yeah. If they're not teaching, 
you about healing or deliverance. Mm-hmm. Get out of that mess. Right, because it's life or death. It's life or death. And Ed Dufresne, he's in heaven now. He used to preach a message that where you go to church is a matter of life and death. I believe it. I believe it. Mackenzie asks, when the Bible says, and I'll give you the full, Mackenzie, this is actually the full quotation, the gifts and calling of God are without without repentance. repentance. Does that mean the gifts of the Spirit too? If someone walks away from Jesus, could they still be used to speak a word of knowledge or perform a miracle? The, the, the word there for gifts is not pneumotikos. It doesn't mean the things of the Spirit. That's first of all, I remember doing that research years ago. The gifts and callings of God. Now, there are some, as you know, son, that believe that means the ministry gifts. And in Hebrews, we learn the six fundamental doctrines of Christ. We also know in Ephesians 4 that we learn that the gifts are stated there, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and teacher. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, the Bible says, And God hath set some Mm -hmm. in the church, apostles, prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, And so one school of thought, which I personally adhere to, I believe that's referring to the ministry gifts. Mm -hmm. Now, the whole scripture again, gifts and and callings. So many are called, Mm -hmm. few are chosen. Why is it that some are called, but they never are chosen? They don't answer the call. I believe they don't pay the price. Or, like Demas, Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved the present world. Mm -hmm. Does it mean God never used Demas again? We don't know. Because once he pulled out of that signs and wonders and gift ministry, we never hear of Demas ever again. Mm -hmm. Disqualified. So, The rest of the question, can God still use you? The Bible says no man can do these miracles except God be with him. If you've withdrawn yourself from God, whatever may be happening, I don't believe that it's the true signs and wonders of God. Right. Because God does not put his approval on sin. That's right. I believe there's a counterfeit. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe there are some people that seemingly operate in what people think is healing or gifts, and they don't. And it's very obvious to me, but that doesn't mean it is to the believer. But the Holy Spirit within you will tell you whether a person's really, truly called of God and anointed of God. Absolutely. Now, let's look at Hebrews to fully answer her question, because I was going to do that today, and obviously the Spirit wants this taught to us. Real quick, because I know, and we're going to do this again tomorrow. Is that what you're saying? The doctrine of Christ found in Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 2. The Bible says, therefore, verse 1, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on under perfection or maturity. Everybody say grow up. Type that in. You Mm -hmm. want to remind yourself what we're talking about. Grow up. You got to grow up. 
not laying again the foundation of repentance, and that was part of her question, from dead works mm-hmm. and a faith toward God. Well, the Bible says very plainly, Jesus, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Will it be there? Will it be in an operation? And so what we need to get from the book of Hebrews, where it speaks of, and let, let me read this out of my Bible because I believe this is the Holy Spirit moving upon us. Hebrews chapter 6, you at home on your phones. I still use what's called the analog Bible. But look at this, because this may help you. Was that a woman that you said that asked? Yeah, Mackenzie Smolin from uh, Horseheads. To answer verse 4 of Hebrews 6, it is impossible. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, that's the Holy Spirit, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance. It's impossible. If you go back, it is impossible for you that have tasted the heavenly gift, received the Holy Ghost, been used in the powers of the world to come, it's impossible for you to crucify again the Son of God. So the implication there from Hebrews 4 is you've six. already, uh, chapter four, or chapter 6, yeah, verse 4 through 6, you've already had the most powerful force in the universe that's already been a part of your life. What more powerful thing is there once you've rejected that? That's a good way to say it. To bring you back in. You've already rejected the most powerful drawing force that there is. So the, the writer of Hebrews is telling you, what else is there? that can pull you back once you've rejected that. Rejected it. And um, and also, you know, it, it helps you to, you know, Mackenzie, do a study on the book of Romans, especially Romans chapter 11, where that is that is uh, written concerning salvation. And I'll, I'll give you a good book to get by a, a Pentecostal guy that pastors in Washington State. His name is Dr. Steve, Steve Schell. Schell. He wrote, study uh, the book of Romans bo- uh, verse by verse. You can get it online. There's a Kindle version. And uh, some of the best commentary from a Pentecostal man. He teaches Greek in the university, so he understands what he's talking about. But he's Pentecostal, filled with the Holy Ghost. And it'll help you to understand the book of Romans verse by verse. I know Pentecostals have an issue with chapter 9 in understanding. Chapter 11 is the same. It'll bless you. It'll help you. What is the issue we have with chapter? Well, people can't understand predestination. There's a big argument between Calvinists and and uh, Pentecostals, oh. but you know, God said, "I've hardened Pharaoh's heart on purpose to make him a vessel of my wrath." Yeah, and the word there uh, is not the area of permissive versus causative. Yeah, and it's pretty clear. Paul's. It talking. was the fact that Pharaoh had a choice. Otherwise, why did God send Moses and Aaron mm-hmm. to offer him the choice? And you remember, Pharaoh went back and forth, back and forth, and so the word there, hardened, is actually in the permissive sense. God didn't make Pharaoh that way. Pharaoh already had that in him. See, God allows what you allow. Predestination and the the will of God is very easy to understand. You're created as a free will creature. 
But God allows what you allow. He's not going to force you. If God would force everybody to do his will, we know in, uh, what is it, Second Peter 3 and 9, I believe it is, he's willing that none should perish. Right. But that all should come to repentance. Since that is the known will of God, then if predestination in its ultimate conclusion was right, he just forced everybody to be saved. And in the morning, the whole world would be in heaven. Right. But no, the Bible teaches us we have a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Yeah. If you call upon the name of the Lord, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things, even those things which you do not know. And so we have a choice. We have a free will. And uh, now God will do things. But my dad said it this way. And when he does certain things, depending on how you react, he then has something to judge you on in eternity's day. That's right. But if you didn't have that choice, there could be no judgment. Chris asks, uh, what's the key to increasing the gifts in my ministry? I've seen them operate in my life many times, but I want them to flow more frequently. Number one, you have to sit under a gift to have a gift and to see it increase. you got to water it. Impartation, so you're saying. Well, the word, certainly people are using the gifts, are teaching the word. No ministry is based upon the gifts of the Spirit. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, you know, these people, they're, they're here in my church, he said, because of my ministry. I thought, what a vain statement. If anybody is in your church, it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit through you. I'll grant you that, but not because of you. And so when people talk about they want to be used more in the gifts, I believe it's directly connected to the people, the harvest. So if you have a desire to win souls and to bring them into the kingdom of God, God gives these as tools mm -hmm. to help bring in the end time harvest. Right. I've told the story so many times. I had a tent up in Coffeen, Illinois. Crowds were coming. I drove up to Carlinville to pick up some chairs. And on the way up, we saw the Amish bringing in the harvest with the old-fashioned sickles, mm -hmm. just cutting it. The ladies were wrapping it, and the young boys were putting it up on a wagon drawn by horses. When I came back that afternoon after we picked up the chairs, Teddy, mm -hmm. on one side of the field, they used to do those cuts as 40-acre cuts. That other field across from them was completely in, mm -hmm. harvested, and sitting under the trees on the fence line was a John Deere combine. And the Lord said to me, this is what the gifts of the Spirit are. Many in the church are using old-fashioned, outdated methods, and the harvest <clears throat> will not fully be brought in. But the gifts of the Spirit are like that John Deere combine. Mm -hmm. They help us to quickly bring in the harvest. And I believe the closer we come to the coming of Christ, I believe the closer we are to his coming, the, there's an acceleration even on the gifts. So son, part of it will be just God himself is going to increase the anointing in your life mm -hmm. because of the hour that we live in. Yeah. But again, it's tied to souls and it's tied to the end time harvest. Yeah, no question. And the thing, obviously the things that my father taught today, you know, you increase those things and increase your times of prayer, increase your times of fasting. If you've not ever sought out a ministry, as he said, that's that's operating in those things. You know, if you're called, you know, if you're deciding to be an electrician, you would not go and apprentice under a plumber. You would apprentice under an electrician. And the mistake people make is they connect to receive impartation with ministries that aren't even doing the thing they're called to do. As an evangelist, I'm not going to apprentice myself uh, to somebody that's not doing evangelistic work. If I want to see signs and wonders, I want to receive from somebody that's already far ahead of me doing those exact same things, 
and find out how are they doing what I want to do. And there are different gifts in the body of Christ. We sure. understand that. For example, one man might have a gift in the area of uh, teaching on Bible prophecy, mm -hmm. the end times. Another man might have a gift in understanding about finances. But the gifts of the Spirit are far superior to that area. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Prophecy, that tells us the future. Finances deals with the present. But the gifts of the Spirit deal with past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. And when you look at ministries that have longevity, the ones that had the greatest influence in our nation and had longevity were the men that learned to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, like Oral Roberts, mm -hmm. like Brother Schambach, like Brother Hagen, right. like Brother T.L. Osborne, like uh, David Nunn, like mm -hmm. Lester Sumrall. So if it were me and I was a young minister, I would spend more time talking about sitting under a gift. Mm -hmm. And Brian wanted to know the name of Brother Shell's I, book I, again. I texted to him. Oh, okay. Um, if it were me, and that's what I used to do. If I had time off, I'd drive to the nearest meeting whether it was Brother Hagen, Brother Schambach, or even when I was around other men of God, Brother Summerall, I'd go sit under their meetings. Day service, sit there all day. Yeah. Didn't have a hotel, stay in the auditorium till the night service. Mm -hmm. Did that for years. Not sitting in the auditorium, but going into meetings. Amen. Yeah. And sitting under a gift, sitting under a gift. Mm -hmm. And every one of those men I mentioned to you, I don't know, they must have picked up. There'd be thousands in the meeting. They'd always point to me and say, come up here and help me. Brother Schambach did that. Brother Hagen did that. T.L. Osborne did that. Uh, Brother Roberts pulled me out. And I, looking back now, I'm not dropping names. It's just happened to me. God allowed me to be uh, helped by some of the greatest men mm -hmm. of their generation. And I would try to create that same hunger in you. That's why I have a camp meeting every year where we invite uh, men and women that are hungry to be used of God to come and sit under the teaching of it, the flow of it, the anointing of it. Mm -hmm. What always cracks me up, they come and then they leave early. If, if We've got a camp meeting coming up April 28th through May 1st, 2020. You need to set aside those four days and get to West Virginia and get in the camp meeting. Teddy will be preaching, I'll be ministering. My de uh, dear friend Bishop Thomas will be preaching. Merrick Hufton, uh, Danny Johnson. It's going to be great. It will be great. Yep. And we've got some new things this year that we didn't have in the other ones, but I just felt to add a few things. But when we put the tent up, I've got young preachers said, Brother Ted, when you put the tent up, we're coming to sit under it. We want to learn how to do outdoor crusades like you do. I said, come on. So your sister, Megan, will help them get the hotel information. And, and to have a gift, you got to sit under a gift. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to pay the price, then let's be honest, you're just playing. Right. You're just playing. But if you're willing to pay the price to follow after Christ, Jesus will never disappoint you. That's right. Absolutely right. It's in outside of Fairmont, West Virginia, Tanya. Uh, the name of the town is Worthington, West Virginia. The address and all the information is posted on tedshuttlesworth.com. You can go to the schedule page and look. And we and have find special it. deals with the hotels. Most of them yep. are under a hundred dollars a night. Mm -hmm. Some are as small as eighty something. Yep, and you can. And call. we feed two meals a day. Yeah, but we're limited as far as the meals. So you, so you need to register. Call the toll free number one eight 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 three two three. 
2484. Someone type that in the comments, please. That's 1-888-323-2484. There it is. And if the registration is free, by the way. Mm -hmm. But once we get up to 250 people, that's the most we can serve. Yeah. But the meals are free. Two meals a day. Yep. Uh, large meal after the morning service. Mm -hmm. And then at night after the evening service. It's really a great time of fellowship. In fact, I thought I saw Brian Wright, Brother Barbie on today. They've been there. They can tell you. They they enjoy it. We love them coming. Yeah. Power. Sherry Wilmoth Vance is watching. Thank you. You know, Sister Sherry, every preacher should have a woman like Sherry <coughs> Vance to help them. Amen. That dear lady and her husband, her husband's a Vietnam vet. Mm -hmm. They have worked with me. Oh, man. At least three days. No, it's been a long time. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Sherry. Um, but there's the, the toll-free number. If you, if you don't get anyone or you don't get through, leave your name, address, and phone number on the uh, voicemail box, yep. and we will call you back. Absolutely. We will call you back. Does God that bless say you, Jody. Jody Rogers? Yep, God you bless know, you. I like, I like Jody. Mm -hmm. He's a good preacher. We love you guys. We will be back tomorrow again at 10.30 a.m. for part two of How to Be Used in the Gifts of the Spirit. Thank you, Jody. And uh, I want to encourage those of you that are watching to sow a seed by faith today. If you're watching on Facebook or Periscope, you could put hashtag donate in the comments section. If you're on YouTube or any of those other outlets, you can go to miracleword.com and you can sow a seed right there. For every person that's sowing this month, we're going to be sending you the album, why are Christians sick and how you can be free? Four plus hours of teaching. Brian said the well. camp meeting took him to a new level. <laughs> it absolutely did. As well as my father's making this CD available to every person that's giving these next two days, today and tomorrow. Uh, on this, this is a music album he recorded in Nashville, Tennessee. Wonderful piece. Uh, songs of healing that'll bring healing into your life, the atmosphere of God. And I'll give you room. an example of what we're talking about, about the kind of praise and worship we do. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, there's slow, fast songs on here. One of my favorite songs that I, I love on this is, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, <laughs> 99 and a half won't do. Yeah. And you remember Saturday Night Live at the end when they're going off the guy on the saxophone? Yeah, yeah. I said to Bond, man, I'd love to have that guy play for me in a meeting. Mm -hmm. Do you know when I did this in Nashville, he walked into the studio and said, do you need someone to play the sax? And I said, uh, what's your name? And he told me. And his name is? Sam Levine. Sam Levine. Levine. You'll hear him sometimes on, on Sirius Radio on different channels. I said, you know that song? You play on Saturday, because he told me he was the guy that did the Saturday Night Live. I said, on that song, can you give me a little bit of that? And so on Running, Trying to Make a 100, we brought the Holy Ghost to Saturday Night Live, <laughs> and Sam played a little bit of a riff as we do this old-fashioned miracle music. You need to get this. For mm -hmm. your, what is it? For their gift of any amount? Yep. You'll, you'll love this. In fact, I command you to get it. Amen. <laughs> but uh, you'll love this. And we'll try to get it to you before Christmas. If they order today or tomorrow, can we rush these to them? Yeah, I'm sure they'll get it before Christmas time. All righty, all righty, all righty. But <laughs> this is you. for your gift. To, and tell them real quick what you're getting ready to do in the new year, will you? 
It's really exciting. I mean, not only are our countries opening up for us to uh, preach, and Carol and I travel and hold crusades and things well, there like aren't that, it. but as well, we're getting ready to go on television and in you know millions and millions and millions of homes, over 100 million homes uh, every single week to preach the gospel. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what God's doing. And God opened all the doors. He did it supernaturally. And uh, now we're running through. And I, I started saying this at the beginning of the year, not even thinking about how quickly a confession comes to pass, but I started declaring this in March of this year with my wife that uh, God's going to move so quickly that we'll have to run to keep up with the vision. And the rest of the year from March on, we've had to run to keep up with everything God's doing and the blessing of the Lord. And uh, 2020 is going to even be greater. So I'm excited. One of my favorite women of God, empowering pastor's wives, has sown a hundred. We'll Thank rush you. that to you, Rhonda. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. Thank you for those of you that are sowing. We appreciate you. And you know what? It's the best money you'll ever spend. Not on the CD. Right. <laughs> on the gospel. Amen. Although nobody sings like I do. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I've, I've heard that. In fact, my dad used to say, you need to learn to sing solos. I said, all right, Daddy said, solo, we can't hear you. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny. I was there in the studio. Taylor Swift's dad came in with another guy that owns the uh, uh, Bob's Big Boy or whatever. He was the president of it. And they're in there crying. And I, you were there. And I said, and jo Johnny Cash's brother was in there, Tommy, and different ones. It cracks me up because Nashville's like a little family. Rick Lloyd will tell you that. And uh, some of the Oak Ridge boy, his son was in the different ones. And they're all crying. And I said to that lady, I said, was the music that bad? She said, no, they're all feeling the anointing. <laughs> half of them needed it. Amen. The other half surely needed it. But this would be a blessing. My dad's favorite song I put on here, We Shall See the King When He Comes. And then He's Coming Soon. Mm -hmm. And then... That has steel guitar on it, doesn't it? Yeah, that was a guy played for the big guy. What was his name? Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Uh, Butch, somebody did that. He did good. Teddy Shuttlesworth, I've heard of him on the Hammond organ. Jason oh, yeah. Webb. Oh, yeah, Bruce Sonny Garish. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing player. And then... They're, uh, all, they're all amazing players. One of my favorite songs, Peace, Peace, Wonderful Peace. Oral Roberts' favorite song. I put it on there. I told him, too. When my Savior reached down mm -hmm. for me. Bro is watching from Nashville. So so make sure you sow right now. We're going we're gonna to put him on. I won't be around forever. I don't know if that's a major revelation to everybody. <laughs> but I'm, do <laughs> I'm doing everything I can to help Brian Wright and Joe Arnold and Sister Rhonda and Michael and everybody that follows after, and especially my son. And now my grandson. That's I taught right. him yesterday how to track a deer. Took Teddy him out in the woods, showed him what a deer print looked like. <laughs> when the when the things are bent down this way, it means the deer went that way. And he said to me last night at church, his dad's preaching the anointings flowing. He said, "Are we going to track deer tomorrow?" <laughs> <laughs> Jeanette said, "Do you know of a church in Houston off the top of your head that flows in the gifts of healing?" Paul Capehart's church. Paul Capehart's church in Houston. And then. Uh, uh, what's his name that Jonathan just preached for? Oh, that was Paul Capehart. Paul Capehart, yeah, that was Paul. I'll tell you who I like also that allows the moving of the Spirit in Houston. Walter Hallam. I used to see him at Brother Hagin's meetings. He is powerful in preaching and allows the moving of the Spirit. So 
I think Brother Hallam's church is about 4,000 strong. Paul is several hundred. He just started that great work up. So you can have your choice. If you want to hide out, Walter's church. <laughs> if you want to be uh, visible, Brother Capehart. And I'm sure there's others that I sure. don't know. But those two come to my mind quickly. Um, Jennifer's asking, where can you get Why Are Christians Sick? For everybody that sows a seed Mine this month, yours. We're, going to, <laughs> we're going to send it to you uh, this month. <coughs> so that, that's how we can get it. We're going to send it to you. It's an album with four-plus hours of teaching on the subject, and, uh, and you'll, you'll get it this month. What about New Jersey? Uh, same thing about a church in New Jersey believes in the moving the Spirit, power of the Holy Ghost. Well, Brother Bruno's church near Nutley, New Jersey, is powerful. In Newark, there's a couple of great churches there. Um, Jeremy Alleman is starting a church in Florham Park, and Jeremy flows in the spirit. We love Jeremy. Uh, what's the fellow's name that Mark Dunphy preaches for? Uh, Jason Alvarez. He has a good church as well. Oh, there's probably so many churches in New Jersey, I can't remember them all. Where's Tim Satran's church? Isn't it in Jersey or is it And also, uh, I think he's there, but Pastor Israel Lugo oh, yeah. is in New Jersey. That, yeah. that translates for my cousin Jonathan of the Festival of Lights, Pastor Israel Lugo. Yeah, he does a um, good job. Is he in Camden still? I, I think he's in that area. So yeah, I think Google he's actually in Camden. Google his name and you'll find his church, Pastor Israel Lugo, L-U-G-O. I mean, there's so many. We, You know mm -hmm. what we ought to do? Praise God, Maureen. We should put a website I know, together. I a list. <laughs> With all of the men and women of God we know that flow in the Spirit. Thank you. God's moving at Cal. Uh, where is it? Gateway Temple. Stephanie Van Ocken. That's Mama from Clifton Park. Where? Mama. Yeah. Thank you. Mama, if you're doing it on Facebook, you got to do the hashtag symbol and the word donate and the 500. Thank you so much for sewing. Or you Mama. can send it to Teddy, too. Yeah. Thank you, Mama. Having oh wow, I saw that Marine tent revival three days each month, and I know um, uh, um, I know that you're, that Joe is there and preaching and doing great. Where's that going to be? That's in Tampa, Florida, at Gateway Christian Center. Pastor Don Evans and his wife. Oh, and I Joe, like Don. Yeah. Joe yeah. went with me to Brazil, and he's preaching, and just went full time into evangelism. The bridge. Yeah, that I, I know that pastor in the bridge in Meadow Lake in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, what a guy that Tyler Copeland is. Good guy. <laughs> Any relation to Kenneth Copeland? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So remember that Tyler Copeland, who's no relation to Kenneth Copeland, has the bridge a great church, church, Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. Yeah. How do you give, uh, how do you on, you, on Sarah, YouTube? on YouTube, there, you can't do hashtag donor. They don't have it set up for YouTube. So you would have to either use Cash App or, or uh, PayPal or you go to MiracleWord.com. If, if you're using Cash App, it's dollar sign MWGive. Um, and for PayPal, it's the email address info at MiracleWord.com. Um, if you're using a, a money order, you can mail that in the mail to uh, P.O. Box 65116. Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23467. That address is on the website as well. Brad Strobel. Hey, Brad. It's uh, miracleword.com. You can go all the way to the footer. You'll see the address to mail to. Thank you, He goes Sharon. by the word drummer extraordinaire. Brad's got another baby coming. What? Yep. 
Not him personally, but his wife. Oh. <laughs> I believe in miracles, but. <laughs> That's a little out there. Got another baby coming. Congratulations to Brad and Shiloh. Wow. Yep. Now, when it says multiply and replenish the earth, Brother Brad, didn't mean by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you for, uh, thanks for hanging with us today. We'll be back tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, we're here in Revival at uh, Calvary Temple Assembly of God and uh, outside of Fairmont, West Virginia. And uh, tonight and tomorrow night, you can catch us on Facebook Live. And then uh, back tomorrow morning again, uh, 10.30 a.m., we'll be finishing this series, second part, How to Be Used in the Gifts of the Spirit. Uh, you definitely aren't going to want to miss that. We love you. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you have questions for tomorrow, get them ready, kind of write them down. And at the end of the broadcast, we'll take... Uh, more questions. Brad said we're done now. <laughs> yeah. We are done now. Okay. Me and Bonnie are thinking about having one. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. God bless. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.